coffee isn't just a drink, it's who you are. We are Little Green Hive, and we're here to serve that perfect cup of coffee made just for you. We're women-owned and locally sourced. Our mission is to provide the best product for our customers, as well as strengthen our community. From fair trade coffees and teas, to breakfast, lunch, and smoothies, we have everything you need to start your day off right. Come visit us in downtown Roanoke, Grandin Village, and now at the Daleville Town Center, Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Hometown Stories. It means a lot to us. If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you shared us with a friend, left us a review, or subscribed to Hometown Stories. That way, you basically get first dibs as soon as we release a new episode. You can also email us at hometownstories at wdbj7.com. We'd love to hear your hometown story. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. A Virginia Tech librarian who moonlights as an expert on the British monarchy admitted she wept as news broke that Britain's longest ruling monarch had died. Marlena Koenig has devoted her life to studying, understanding, and writing about the royal family, drawn in after finding a book in the library on Queen Victoria when she was in middle school. She works as a librarian for Virginia Tech's Washington Alexandria Architecture Center, but she's authored books of her own and regularly updates her blog, Royal Musings. In this episode of Hometown Stories, we speak with Koenig on the day of Queen Elizabeth II's death and about her raw emotion as this historic 70-year reign comes to an end. I literally burst into tears. Uh, I mean, I was expecting it when you have your children and grandchildren uh, coming to um, Scotland to be there. It was inevitable that this was going to happen. But it is amazing. I was just thinking about um, how fast this happened. And we know that Her Majesty has had mobility issues, uh, but she certainly was in fine form on Tuesday when she, you know, met with the outgoing Prime Minister Boris Johnson and then met with Liz Truss, the uh, new Prime Minister. Um, and then came the announcement that she wouldn't be at the Privy Council, that the Privy Council was cancelled. And then this morning to wake up to the news um, that uh, the doctors were concerned about her health. So something has happened and they haven't told us yet what it is. Um, did she have a, a heart attack, a stroke, or something that um, brought this uh, this amazing life to a close. And I want to touch on that point, the fact that she was 96 years old. We knew she was in the sunset of her service as queen. But do you still feel like for the community abroad and the community around the world um, who, who watched her legacy, watched her service, even though she was in the sunset of her career, does this still feel like a shock to the system? Oh, absolutely, because for, for, for millions of people, I mean, not just in the United Kingdom, um, for all of us, you know, with a small percentage of people who are over um, 70 years old, that this has been the only British sovereign we have known from childhood or chil children now. I mean, it'll be a little bit different because they will have a new king. Uh, but, I mean, she has been there for... The, the achievements of the last 70 years, not just in Britain. I mean, you know, she, um, you know, uh, 
brought, you know, ushered in the change from the British Empire to the Commonwealth. Um, you know, in you know, I was there for the Platinum Jubilee, and uh, the the last day was a uh, a pageant, and there was the buses that represented each decade of her reign, and there were different achievements on. And you think about the difference, you know, you know, the the internet. I mean, the World Wide Web was developed in Britain. Um, you know, the fact, you know, like Man on the Moon, all these different, which wasn't, of course, you know done by the British, but still it was a major achievement throughout her reign. And it's amazing what she has witnessed. And she did make a point in uh, her 21st birthday in a speech uh, to the British people that whether her life was long or short, and it is paraphrased, uh, that she would be devoted to serving as their sovereign when the time came. And that's what she did. I mean, she literally worked up until her death. For people who have not examined the royal family as closely as you have, could you explain for people what the Queen's role has traditionally been and what capacity she has uh, served in her lifetime? You have to remember that the, that in, in, in the United States, the president is the head of government and the head of state. In many other Europe, in many other countries, you have the head of state, which is mostly a ceremonial role, and you have the head of government. In the United Kingdom, the sovereign is the head of state, but there are certain jobs that the queen has. For example, the legislation, money, passports—they're all done in the queen's name. Wow. She has the right to advise. She doesn't in just you know she she could technically call an election, but you know lets them work that out. You know the government officials. Um, and she does, I mean, she did, uh, kind of strange saying that, uh, that at one point during uh, when Harold Wilson was prime minister, he advised his successor to be on his toes because he was asked about a question about a bill in parliament uh, that the queen wanted to know more about and he didn't know about it. So it pays for the prime minister to be better informed when he's meeting with the queen, when he was meeting with the queen once a week. Um, so, you know, she had a much more role is Prince Philip used to say, we, we lived above the shop. And, uh, so the monarchy, everything's done in the sovereign's name. And it's like a guiding force as opposed to you let the government do its thing. And then the monarchy was a little bit different. Looking over the course of her 70 years on the throne, a remarkable feat, a number, over a dozen prime ministers, prime ministers during her, uh, tenure. Oh, it's, it's a, um, it's, it's not only amazing when you think about her first prime minister was Wilson Churchill. He was born in 1874. Liz Truss was born in 1975. Isn't that astounding? That is incredible. A hundred years of yes. uh, prime minister's yep. births. In that time frame in which she served, what would you consider among the highlights of her reign? And what do you think were some of the real challenges uh, that she experienced? I think that he, he, I think she was able to weather many of the challenges. I mean, you definitely had uh, the the discourse and the change in the attitude of, you know, and is Britain itself has you know, gone from being a major world power. Um, it still has some authority, but it's not the major world power anymore. Um, you've watched as she helped shepherd uh, the change from the British Empire to what has become the Commonwealth, and as a number of countries within the Commonwealth have gone independent, some have retained her as queen, as monarch, but that's changing. Uh, and also many have become republics. Um, 
which I think is important to understand is, but they, they're all still tied together by their, their connection to the British uh, monarchy, to Great Britain. Um, but you also have the challenges, you know, within our own family. Uh, you know, you have uh, a son who has um, issues uh, with um, being, you know, being the possibility of having committed um, sexual assault on a young woman um, and trying to deal with that as a mother and not as a sovereign. But then sometimes she does have to put her sovereign hat on and say, okay, you're not going to um, be able to use your royal highness titles and no longer have any responsibilities as a royal. I think th that's difficult being having to handle motherhood and be sovereign at the same time. I think that's difficult for, for working parents, you know, and not someone who is, you know, the, the, the consort, the, the, the sovereign of um, the British uh, monarchy. How do you think that she was able to balance that? And where do you kind of envision those um, those lines being blurred and where she's not just queen, but she is mother or she is grandmother? I, or she you is know, I think mother. it's, you know, I think um, it was difficult for her in her early years. And I think that was sh that showed with um, Charles and with Anne, I think she was much more comfortable in her role by the time she had Andrew and Edward. Um, she, she's always made time for her grandchildren. I think it was important to stress that when William went to Eton, which is not far from Windsor Castle, just across a bridge, um, that he would come and have tea with her because then they could, he could sit down and she could talk with him because she knew that in one day he will be king. Um, and but you know she made sure to include in different events um her york grandchildren um she was close to i mean to beatrice and eugenie and she was very close to lady louise and lord severn um prince edward's children because they lived close by um so i think there was this inevitable thing of that being able to be a part of a family and i think that was also stressed by philip is that when you looked for example in the summers at balmoral there were barbecues like everybody else. Um, and they were a family like everybody else. But in the case of this mom, grandmom, she was also the, the sovereign, was also the head of state. And that implied certain rules um, that are followed by, you know, Britain's unwritten constitution. Let's talk about what comes next. Uh, we've heard the announcement of her death um, this Thursday. What do you anticipate as far as the grieving process for the nation, for the for the Commonwealth, for people well, around the world, for her. Well, there's a process that will. I mean, I think you're going to see, um, you know, services all around the world. You know, not just in Commonwealth countries. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, Canada. I mean, today, um, Prime Minister Trudeau said, you, you know, that you know, just wax lyrical about um, Queen Queen Elizabeth. Um, you're going to see, I think, services held throughout the world. Um, you're going to see people probably. Every, every British embassy is going to offer something for people to come or, you know, consulate generals to be able for people to express their grief, whether it's online or it's, you know, bringing flowers, um, signing memorial books, things like that. Um, and I think for the British people, I mean, it, it's I mean, when I saw that video of them, of people, a lot of young people outside Buckingham Palace singing God Save the King, that just kind of assured me that, you know, that they now have a new king. And It'll be fine. I mean, but there'll be, there'll be, you know, I mean, there's a whole process. I mean, Charles comes down to London tomorrow where he will be proclaimed king um, and then begins the various different things for the planning of the funeral, which has been planned in advance. I mean, you know, basically everything's done. It's now just putting it together. Uh, and it will be a state funeral uh, with people coming from all over the world. 
um, and then, you know, begin the process. And once you get past that and the burial, and that's what they, you know, when Prince Philip died, um, because the plan was to bury him with Queen Elizabeth, uh, he was, his remains were lowered to the, to the, for want of a better word, the basement at St. George's Chapel. Um, and now that will be changed and they will be together in the, in St. George's Chapel. That, that was just a temporary uh, measure. Um, and then you, you know, and after that you'll start, they'll be start talking about the coronation, and uh, which will probably be sometime next year. Usually it's about a year after the death because it takes a long time to plan a coronation. So, and that'll be different. It'll be different from Elizabeth's. I think as Charles is, you know, always is wanted more diversity in, uh, in his realm. And, you know, and I think you'll see that in the coronation, but we're a long way off from that. You know, we haven't even had the funeral yet. So it's going to be a very interesting, it's going to be a very interesting time for most of us because none of, most of us have never seen this except like, you know, in videos and, and things, you know, reading about it. Now it's, uh, it's happening. What do you think this day is like for the people in the United Kingdom and the, and the people of the Commonwealth? So she's referred to as the Queen Mother. I know, you know, during her Jubilees, you can find just about every kind of merchandise with her face on it. Um, oh, yeah. what <laughs> I was there. So, I mean, I went for I've been to all four Jubilees and I'm really happy I went in June for the Platinum Jubilee. Um, I can only imagine. It was, ama- it was amazing. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, um, is, for example, Pro, you know, there was an interesting that BBC did as soon as they got the word, you know, programming stopped and it was an image of the queen in all her glory with playing God Save the Queen for the last time. And that's how everybody knew. And uh, and then you're just going to be seeing, you know, um, the reporters and everyone wearing black, um, probably till the funeral. And then they'll start to pick up, you know, um, their lives again and start reporting um on the new king and but there will be a a mourning period um i'm not excited it's you i don't i have i would i it's been so long i'm not sure how long that will be it's something i'm gonna have to look up what do you anticipate for the future of this monarchy i think it's i people like to say well you know charles is not popular um you don't have to i, I think that's a misunderstatement i think now that he's king and that he's issued a statement. I think the people will rally behind him, um, support him, and is evidenced by the huge crowd outside Buckingham Palace. There's a very small element of um, population that really wants a republic, but they're not loud, and it, it's not going to happen, um, at least not in my lifetime. Uh, and then, but the focus is going to be, you know, um, Prince William is now the Duke of Cornwall and the Duke of Rothsay. At some point, Charles will name him Prince of Wales. And the focus will be more on them because they are the future. What kind of state is he inheriting? I think he's inheriting, I mean, he's inheriting a monarchy that is in the United Kingdom stable. It's certainly, um, I do think that you will see in the next few years, several more of the Caribbean nations, including Jamaica and Grenada, um, have referendums or however their constitutional process runs and go from being a monarchy to a republic with a um, native born, a Jamaican born and Grenada born head of state, uh, which is how it should be. But the important thing is, is that they're not leading the Commonwealth. I mean, they still, you know, that's been a misnomer. They're not going to leave the Commonwealth, but they are taking that step 
to move away. And, you know, and as Charles has said, and, you know, in, on different occasions, like Pauline Gorbea, it's like, it's fine. It's your choice and they will support it. So I think, you know, I think you're going to see, um, you know, the, the big main ones are, you know, of course, Canada. And, you know, I, I think that's the wonderful thing that keeps Canada different from the United States is that, you know, the Queen, the, Charles is now their head of state. And you have Australia and New Zealand. Um, I don't see really any changes there anytime soon. But the most important things I, you know, I think be grumbles everywhere. You know, there's a small element. But um, I think as time goes by, uh, there'll be more and more um, attention toward Charles and especially towards William as he, you know, he's already in his 40s. And he certainly probably will not have to wait until his 70s to be king. There are people, obviously, in the United States who share your fascination with the royal family for one reason or another. But mm -hmm. what do you really think overall that her death means for not just our nation, but the world over? And what kind of legacy do you think she lives, leaves behind? I think she leaves a very impressive legacy of being able to... Uh, as a woman who was 96 years old, keep up with the times. Um, she was not, you know, she may appear formal, but she was acutely aware of what was going on in the world, um, what was going on in the world in her country and in other countries. Um, she certainly had a good relationship with the United States and with most U.S. presidents. She has met all but Lyndon Johnson. Uh, and I think they're very strong relationship between the U.S., and uh, the United Kingdom. And I won't be surprised if the U.S. has one of the largest delegations that go to the funeral. And I think here, um, we have to understand that, that this part of it is our history as well. Um, our history of the development of a nation. Yeah, we didn't get along at first. And, you know, there was that little issue about, you know, burning down the White House and things. But if you look at Virginia, she visited Virginia on numerous occasions. She spoke in Richmond, she's been to you know Williamsburg and Jamestown. So she's been to Mount Vernon, uh, and you know Virginia's named for Queen Elizabeth I. So I think there's just there is an absolute fascination, and a lot of times most people aren't interested in the history as much as as more opposed to um, what they're wearing. And there's definitely different um, factions or people who like Harry and Meghan, who like Catherine, um, things like that. So, but that's, you know, that's what I call more fangirl type of stuff. My last question is specifically for you personally. You have devoted so much of your life and so much of your time mm -hmm. to these royals, to understanding them, to understanding their place in this world. Um, what does her passing mean to you? It was inevitable um, that became aware in when I was there in uh, in June, never expecting that I would be at a 25th, a 50th, a 60th or 70th. Um, and to have a 70th Jubilee um, was amazing. And they were already talking about the possibility of a 75th. I mean, the sad part for me is that I really wanted the queen to um, uh, move up and survive at least two more years so she could pass Louis the 14th as the longest reigning monarch in history. I mean, he had a head start because he got became king as a child. Uh, but uh, I think it, the amazing thing is that she was a good and decent person. She uh, was, you know, she was the face of the United Kingdom for so many years. And that, you know, that is something that will be discussed and, you know, um, and examined by historians for the next 50 plus years because it'll be in time you know i don't know what the time frame is but in time 
you know, there will be an official biographer who will have access to her diaries and will really and will learn more about what she really thought about things because we, she could never be able to talk about them while she was sovereign. Hometown Stories is a production of WDBJ7 in Roanoke, Virginia. This episode was written and produced by me, Leanna Scacchetti, and edited by Ben Roquelmi. We'll see you next time. Hometown Stories is sponsored by Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Locations in downtown Roanoke, Daleville, and Grandin.